play the fight song. Welcome back to the Play the Fight Song podcast. The crew from the Play the Fight Song podcast are here. Other than one, I guess three of four this week as we were last week. Reese is back. Schaefer's gone. So we got three of the four again, but we traded one in. Schaefer ditched us, dude. He didn't. It's not like he's sick. It's not like he's on something important. He legitimately ditched us. So I told him he better win money tonight, or it's a wasted, wasted trip. You know, because he doesn't work there anymore at that place. So it's like, come on, man, you're losing money going. But three of the four here. Reese has been a little absent. Reese, how are you feeling? A little disconnect from reality. Come right back into it. How you feeling? I'm tired to say the least. I didn't watch like any of college football last week. I think I watched a half a quarter of the uh, LSU Alabama game last weekend. Other than that, didn't watch a whole lot of anything else. I kept seeing like updates for the scores, but I couldn't watch anything. But yeah, just tired in general, man. Getting back into it, and this is going to be a, uh, a long week getting back to uh, the real world. So, and you almost fell off a horse at age four, and not this weekend is what I'm reading. Yeah, now. no. That was, yeah, I accidentally kicked the sides of it. Uh, I had a buddy on the back with me, four years old, didn't know. How does one accidentally kick the side of a horse? I was four years old. I didn't know any better, Jordan. And I, like, I had seen movies and as a kid, so I, like, decided to, you know, he'll kick both sides and the thing just took off on us. And now I'm scarred for horses for the rest of my so life. You're, so. You actually are scared of horses? Like, scared. I'm like, I'll go pet them, but, like, riding them, I'm like, but there's like, what's that movie where it's like, oh, it's Sherlock Holmes where he doesn't want to ride horses because he's like, why would I want something that has its own mind between my legs controlling where I go? Like that. I don't, I don't, I don't trust it. I'm a little confused on the trajectory. Like you're four. I mean, did you kick it in its leg? Like you had to have gotten up. Did you have hops? How did you kick this thing? I was sitting on it. And how did you stay on it? Whoa. Okay. How did I stay on it? Because I was, because I held the, whatever, the, the reins, not the reins or whatever the fucking thing is you sit on. The like, main. I grabbed that part in the Wait, middle. The saddle? Yeah. The saddle. Yeah, the, saddle the, the, yeah, like the, yeah, the saddle horn, whatever that is. I sat on the saddle. I don't know what the fucking, the, the knob on the front you call it is. I was grabbing on that thing. It's a saddle horn. Yep. And this horn. isn't a shot at them because I know them and I love them both. But uh, where, where are your parents? I mean, I feel like the, the weather boy guy. <laughs> they were the sitting, they were right, they were right next to us. It was like a photo. It was, it was a photo shoot. It was like Brita, the small town I'm from. Brita had like a little rodeo thing. My, it was my uncle's horse and they just sat me and one of my buddies on there and it was like a picture. And then I, and then my dumb ass was like, I should kick it. And I fucking kicked it and things took off. <laughs> That's incredibly <laughs> okay. wasn't my I'm best sorry. idea. I was four years old. Jordan, get off my ass. God. Hey, I didn't know if Reese was going to make it or not. And then I knew Schaefer wasn't going to make it. So I prepared some jokes based upon, I had one for Reese, but Reese is here. So we don't have to roast Reese, but remember how he roasted us parks just lit yes. us up at our team. Yeah. So I prepared some things. I don't know if you okay. had anything prepared here. Oh, I, can um, I don't know if they're actually funny. Prepared, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're actually funny, but I tried, you know, I'm not a comedian out here. Bring you know, up. what? what's the better prediction? The Mayans predicting the world to end in 2012, or Schaefer thinking Ohio was going to lose to Iowa State and Kansas wasn't going to get the six wins. <laughs> one for one. That's good. That's good. Oh, Iowa I mean, that's rough. Yeah. That's I mean, one was one. proven false. Like, we're still here. And the other one was like, oh, for two. Like, could not have been more confident on Iowa State beating Ohio and then beating Kansas and uh, Kansas not getting to bowl eligibility. And then they pound them last week in Ames. It's like, come on. Kids got to be better than that. No matter passion he has, yep. Yeah. Uh, my shot, my shot at Iowa State. What's more uh, embarrassing? No, no, no. Let me go first. Let's go back and forth. <laughs> okay, go, go, go. All right. Well, I just go, man. Dude, there is no joke. Just look up Nebraska's all-time record against Iowa State. That's the joke. Seventy-nine and fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> the dog shit program. All right, go ahead, JP. Let's get it. What's more embarrassing? Thinking your program is relevant after a COVID Big 12 title appearance or having a, your enjoyment get out of laughing at Iowa because you can't beat them. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't I'll be, I'll be, I'll be shaper right now in the car. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> these guys, these kids, I can hear it too. You guys aren't and funny. Speeding. And, and you know, he, Iowa fan, I'm not going to give you, he might get mad at this because he's very like, Oh, don't you're my personal, even though his face is on everything. Uh, He's in, he drives a Nissan Altima, worst drivers out there. Worst drivers out there. So uh, speed on that Altima, little boy. <laughs> the wrong part of the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad driver. 
you know, we're really getting on. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. That's did fair. This That's all fair. Wait, what well, jokes did you have? Worse. What jokes are you going to call me, asshole? Reese, you defend our country. Oh, I, I have no jokes. I'm you. not going to say that out loud. It was a little more personal. It wasn't football-based because I can't jab Syracuse. Say it. Say it. Oh, okay. You can jab Syracuse. They, I mentioned this, we, and we got to brief bad. it into it. But when we talked right. two weeks ago, J, uh, JP, your question about what team has fallen faster, Washington State, and I don't even remember the other one, uh, Syracuse could be in that conversation now. Holy cow. They stink. Yeah, what, a, what, a pick, what a pick by me to go into Blacksburg and be my dog's dog, and they weren't in it for a second. That was tough. That was bad. All right, JP. No. Go ahead. No. Kickoff, game over. Yep, let's roll into the next thing. Reese, we'll save that. We'll save that for another time. Got it. Let's just revisit our conference title point game, kind of where we sit at this situation. There's 11. Week 11 previews are coming up. So we're in week 11. How is everybody sitting right now? So I kind of rank these based on points possible, tiebreaker being how many teams you have eligible to still win your conference based on it. So Reese, you're leading 16 points possible at this point in time, seven teams eligible to win the conference based on your picks. Jake in second, also with 16 points possible, but he only has six teams eligible to win it. Parks, you're in third, 15 points possible, five teams eligible to win the conference based on your picks. And I'm in last. Doesn't mean I'm going to finish down there. 13 points possible, seven teams eligible to win a conference. What that tells me is that Parks and Jake took a little bit longer shots, and I did yep. not. So, I mean... Anything can happen, but I thought we'd check in on this because somebody's got to beat Parks because it hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, Parks and he's in third right now. Yeah, right now you are. I mean, if you three-peat, we might have to just ditch the segment. because we I got Air Force in there for three points. Big play out of me. Big play. Odds are looking good. Unless they show up like they high, did last week against Army. That's true. That is true. They look like dog shit in week 10. Hey, shout out Service Academy Unders. Double down on that son of a gun after an A&M push. Book it. Got it live. Let's just plug our social medias quick prior to jumping into some recent news. Hey, we are on X, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook as well. We haven't been on the Facebook train as much. We want to use Facebook for a streaming platform here in the near future. Um, That's my bad. But Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, TikTok, or X, whatever bad. it's called. X, Instagram, TikTok, follow us all. We want to do a live on TikTok one of the weeks, just breaking down games, taking fan questions. We need over a thousand followers to do so. So head over to TikTok and follow us. I believe it's at Play the Fight Pod over on Instagram. Nope. It's different on at, every platform. At, it, no, it's different. It's the same on every platform except for the one that Jake runs. It's Play the Fight Song on on TikTok. Everything else is the same. So that's on Jake. Okay. Too. Keep getting everything out. is play the fight pod except for TikTok, which is play the fight at play the fight song. Get on it, Jacob. Gotcha. Perfect. Check us out over there. We'll do some lives. We'd love to do a live stream on YouTube and Facebook and all those other places. We just need your support to get there so we can get it, people into the audience. Let's jump into some recent news quick before we jump into any previews that we're going to cover. I don't know if you guys saw this tonight. Actually, let's lead off with something else that already happened. People already have that piece. Alex Grinch fired at USC. Are we surprised? No like defense coordinator firing at USC. No, <laughs> I think Lincoln Riley knows he has to do something before getting into the Big Ten. Will he do the right thing and get a good hire? I don't know. I don't know if you guys see it differently. I don't know if he's really going to change that much. Probably I mean, you would hope so. You would hope, but doesn't mean he is. You'd hope so. He's always been like that. It's like it's yeah, it's still, but it's still such a destination spot. I mean, it's the University of Southern California. Like, how can there not be a defensive minded coach that's like, I want to go there? Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a spot where a guy should be able to get somebody. It's, can he get the right hire? Because, I mean, Oklahoma. he got some of those transfers this He got some of those transfers this year for that defense, but they just, I don't know what it was. Like, the scheming was there, or they just didn't have him in the right spots, or what it was. But I think he's in for also a rude awakening. He's, that's true and that's adding to my point i think he's in for a rude awakening because you have such a different play style between the pac-12 and the big 10 and the big 12 which he's coming from the big 12 then the pac-12 to i wouldn't say defensive based conferences to the most defensive based conference so he needs to make the right hire i don't know if he'll do it though also today that i saw on the news platform james madison petitions the ncaa again Hoping for bowl eligibility. I have no idea if they're going to get it. That rule is garbage can anyway. 
I believe they yeah. petitioned once. It didn't go their way, so they're going to do it again. Uh, just let the Dukes play in a bowl game. If they can't win their conference, at least let these kids enjoy the experience of going to a bowl game, right? I'm on the opposite side of that. I mean, they're good and they deserve it. However, it takes away a spot from a five and seven Nebraska team if they have good grades. So uh, <laughs> I hope they keep them out That's that. uh, just in case Nebraska loses think- out so we can get in one. Team guy. But what about like, team guy. <laughs> I think the kids at James May at Madison need the, the PS5s that will be given away for free at these bowl games more than the NIL of the Are they making a Fiesta Bowl? I mean, well, they'll still get one. They'll, I mean, can these get, I don't know the NIL situation at James Madison. I can't imagine it's anywhere near the top of the country, but damn, give the kids a PS5. They, they, get, they have three of them or four of them in their hangout room, I'm sure. So I'm not too worried about the kids from James Madison getting some PlayStation 5 time. Also, Quick note since we brought it up. Are you you guys have to buy a PlayStation 5, correct? For NCAA 24? You're saying like we don't have one currently? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's what you're gonna get. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I might decide I might switch back. You can't buy it for Xbox? No, you can, but it's gotta be the newest model. It's got like whatever. I I know you can't buy it for PlayStation 4. Oh, I definitely don't have that thing then. This is a bad sidebar out of me. We can go all day on NCAA 24, but go ahead. Last thing of news, I don't know if you saw this today, guys. MJ Morris, quarterback at North Carolina State, has decided to take his redshirt year. He's like, okay, well, and why not? I'm playing. I got my we're job back good. after playing for a year. Yeah, we're not very good. Even though they've got two wins in a row, Miami and Clemson. And he's like, eh, I played my four games. I'll take the redshirt year. You could bring Brennan Armstrong back in here, and I'll transfer next year. Just out of nowhere. I want like that's the new way though. Like people can do that. Players have the ability to just be like, no, I'm redshirting. I'm not playing anymore, just so they can transfer and keep that year. I 100% think that's what he's thinking at this point in time. As to why, I'm not sure. No details on that, but it was interesting to see that today after a couple big wins. And I assume he's going to be the guy next year too. And he played last year when Leary was hurt. So um, the new world of college football we're in is different when the players start picking their redshirt years. No. Yeah. 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 It's weird. I mean, do you like the college? Do you like the redshirt rule? Do you like the four games? I think it's great. I do. I think I really four like games it. is a weird yeah. number, but yeah, I think it's, it's good. A, I, math, math, math. The third of the season. It sure is. There it was. It there we go. Oh my God. Down. It took you that long <laughs> yeah. to figure out four to buy to remember. Holy Reece, shit. We're at work all day. I know defending the yeah. is the easiest thing. I thought but, you were trying to. I thought you were trying to do something crazy math here. I'm like, hang on. Reese <laughs> knows math, but doesn't know not to kick a horse as he's standing on it at age four. That's a good point. Hey, shout That's out! Hey, point. shout out that guy though. He knows he likes college and he can do one more year. So shout out! He good for that guy. Yeah, good. Yeah, for that guy. smart. Hey, guy loves college. Reese did too. You know. Wow, underappreciated clip from Play the Fight Suck. Let's jump into our Week Eleven previews. I think we are set for a really good weekend in college football, fellas. I'll be in Iowa City for the Iowa Rutgers game, um, but you know I'll find an RV or somebody with a TV at their tailgate to mooch off of. Let's jump into the first one here. This is the big noon kickoff. This is Michigan. This is Penn State. Penn State, a four-and-a-half-point dog currently in Happy Valley. You've seen Penn State once already uh, in big game status. They lost to Ohio State at Ohio State in a game where really they were – struggled offensively they couldn't run the football their touchdown came late uh and most of the passing yards came late against that stout ohio state defense this is a different situation you now play at home the line's at four and a half which is exactly where it was when you were on the road at ohio state so this is probably telling you vegas thinks michigan's seven and a half to eight points better than you at a neutral neutral field you're still over that three-point mark how does this michigan russian attack beat Penn State on the ground because we know Ohio State didn't run the ball great on Penn State. Nobody's really run the ball well on Penn State throughout the entire year. Michigan averaging 4.6 yards per rush and Penn State ranked number one in the country at 1.9 yards per rush. Sub two, the Nittany Lions are sitting, which is an insane stat when you think about it, whether they've played elite offenses or not. It's kind of crazy to see a team under two yards of rush uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And you got Corum and um Edwards on the def- or on Michigan side with McCarthy and his ability to move around uh, and make plays with his feet as well as make plays downfield. This is a real recipe um, for Penn State to get challenged. Like, can you prove that you're as good as you are on the ground? There's now a third element. You weren't going to deal with um, Kyle McCord 
getting out of the pocket and making a lot of plays with his feet or in the option game, you're going to deal with J.J. McCarthy doing so. So we need to pay attention to that. Corum's going to be the future guy, though, more so than he was a year ago. He's got 50 more carries than Donovan Edwards and over 400 yards more. So he's going to be the feature guy. How do we get Edwards and Corum and McCarthy the ball in space versus a very stout Penn State rush defense? I'm not the guy to ask that situation. I'd love to know the X's and O's perfectly, but I'm not going to speak on X's and O's. What about McCarthy in the air? What did Ohio State get out of this when they were playing them? They had Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Michigan doesn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. They have very good receivers. They don't have, I don't think they have game changing receivers. They don't have a guy who's going to go grab. Um, let me find the stat real quick. I wrote this down 162 yards on 11 receptions Marvin Harrison had on Penn State. I don't think that Roman Wilson's the guy that's going to do that, right? Like, and maybe he doesn't need to be, but McCarthy just needs to take care of the ball, distribute the balls, the balls. Oh my God. Distribute the football all over the place. That was such a fumble, such a fumble. I was surprised that. Well, it will be more. They don't use one football the whole time. They do use multiple footballs. It's true. You're right. Yeah. Kid show. So true. That's where I was going. Yeah. Kid show. (laughs) That's where it's going. Hey, I just think it's, you got to get all are comfortable if you're Penn state too. Like if we're going on the opposite side of things, I think the recipe is get him comfortable. He's been really good at the last couple of games, 45 of 65 for 460 and four or seven touchdowns of one interception. And then Ohio state game, he was 18 of 42. That's not going to win football games. Uh, Penn state's offensive line struggle a little bit. Can they hold a pass rush and can they run the football? Even though they have studs in the backfield, can they run the ball on a Michigan front because they weren't able to do it against Ohio state. Um, Straight up, I this game's going to be close, and it's going to be a real grinder. And for Parks' prediction from the preseason, and a lot of us were kind of agreeing with this division ending in a three-way tie, we thought – I kind of thought it was Ohio State they would get, but I could see why this one is the one some people picked. This is really tough, but expect this to be ruckus. Expect Penn State to bring the biggest haymaker they have and just come out swinging. I don't think this is going to be easy for Penn for. Michigan, I don't think it's going to be easy for Penn State. But if you're James Franklin, you have a poor record against Michigan and Ohio State. At some point, this has got to stop. But I think if you're going to have the chance, it's right now. Reese, you're always the guy that kind of goes with the underdogs in this situation with the big games. Do I need to hold out for later, or do you got an opinion on this? No, no. I don't have a a pick on uh, this one coming later. But, I mean, I was big on Penn State. I picked them as my dog's dog when they went to um, Ohio State. But I'm not going to fall into that trap again this week. Um, James Franklin just hasn't had the success in the big games. It would be interesting. I would love to see Penn State win this game and then Ohio, and then Michigan go beat Ohio State and make that three-way tie. It would be interesting. I'd love to see that. But I just don't think this Penn State um, offense is going to be able to do enough. I think Michigan has a very – not as good as a, of a defense as Ohio State, but still pretty stout. Um, I think they had the blueprint to do what the, to do what Ohio State did to make all of them uncomfortable. And not let them run rush the ball very well, do what they did. So I think Michigan's just gonna be too much of this game for Aller and company. And I think Franklin continues to struggle in Happy Valley, makes it interesting. Uh, but I just think the Wolverines are gonna have too much for him. Perks, what would you say? Like Michigan hasn't played the toughest schedule to this point. Now no. your biggest game of the year and your first big game of the year, right? In a lot of ways, is on the road in Happy Valley. You know what? Yeah, that if- place. The place is going to be rocking. I think it's a benefit for them that it's 11 a.m. kick. I still think Happy Valley will be ready to go. I, I think they're planning to stripe the stadium, but there's two big points in this game for the Nittany Lions to be successful, and I need them to to fulfill my 11-1 three-way tie scandal. I predicted at the beginning of the year it's going to be the home teams that take these battles. Ohio State started it off perfectly beating Penn State, and I actually like the way that went down because I think a lot of people are going to write Penn State off against a dominant Michigan team in the midst of a scandal, I think Penn state can come out and beat this football team handily. I really don't think I've seen enough from Michigan's schedule, as you mentioned, JP, where they haven't been Mm -hmm. tested like they're about to be this weekend. I mean, this is a real Penn state team that only gave up 20 points to Ohio state in that dog water of a football game. I mean, it was awful to watch for Penn state. I think they figured out a little bit more throughout the game this week. They have a successful week, but it's also very important for them to get off to a good start. When Penn State's lost this year or when they've been in close games with teams they shouldn't be, they start tremendously slow. I mean, it is 
awful. I mean, back a couple weeks ago, they get into a close game with Indiana, who just beat Wisconsin, so maybe they're not that bad. But Indiana scored, had like a 90-yard touchdown pass and a 60-yard touchdown pass in their first two drives, and they they gave up 14 points to a bad Indiana team. They cannot do that this week. They have to limit Roman Wilson on the outside, and I think they'll find success. I like the Nitty Lions at home. I agree with your point exactly. I think they need to come out with a scripted set on that first drive and at least go get three. You got to make a move here uh, and really come ready to go. And maybe if you show up on defense first, maybe that's just you just don't give up points. Like whether it's a three and out or they get a couple first downs, just don't give up points. And then we can settle into that game. Uh, Offensive lines where I'm watching this one, Penn State gave up four sacks to Ohio State. I think that Ohio State pass rush is better, but they only ran the ball for what? 46 yards, something like that in that Ohio State yeah. game. You got to run the football. Run the football wins the game. And I understand what you're both saying. I could see this go either way. It should be a ton of fun to watch. We'll get to my pick later. I believe Schaefer is on Michigan, though, for the graphic. So um, right now we got a Penn State and two Michigans. My pick's coming later. I don't want to give that up right now. Um, but I'm pumped. I mean, this is this is exactly what we wanted out of the Big Ten East, and we are now prime position to watch it happen unfold in happy valley let's go to our next or what reese if i have to hear gus johnson say maserati marv 50 times this game again i'm gonna turn the mute on gus i love you you're like my favorite announcer but please don't say maserati Maserati marv plays for uh, ohio state oh wait shit my bad my bad yeah it's clean i it's okay. We have to. We might even cut this part. Big, big, big noon kickoff slander. was in my head. My bad. Big moon kick was in my head. My bad. My bad. My bad. It's okay. Well, you could probably. You could probably pull a dumb saying or two from both of these teams that he uses as well. But he is a gem, so we will not take. Yo, I our do love Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson. Waffles. Okay, good. Yeah. Waffles. <laughs> love that. Yeah, that love you got that barbecue man. back there. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Let's jump to the SEC. How about an SEC East battle that could, depending on the outcome of a couple games, be a huge deal in the coming weeks. Tennessee travels to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Tigers, who got in a real battle with Georgia last week. This line at a pick or plus one to Missouri, depending on when you've seen it. Let's talk Tennessee. Let's talk Missouri. Parks, you got the floor. Yeah, so we got to take a look at kind of what Missouri is coming off of. I think it's a huge benefit for them, and I'll add this into my keys that I think Missouri has to hit to win this football game. But it's a huge benefit for them last week to just be competitive. I mean, Georgia has been a team where they've been dominant against in big games. You saw it against Kentucky when they were rolling in hot and 4-0. Missouri rolls in at 6-1. and Maybe they're buying in to drink with program. All of a sudden, they're competitive. It, losing to Georgia by nine points is not like something that you should bat your eye at as a fan. If you're a Missouri tiger fan, I think they keep it rolling this week. I actually like this line. I think it's in a good spot because these teams are very even on paper, but taking a look at Missouri first, I think their keys to the game. uh, They got to get off the field. Their defense has struggled when they've lost both times this year. Last week where Georgia had these elongated drives, they end in points and then their offense gets kept off the field. That's your strength. If you're Missouri, your offense is pretty good. You have weapons on the outside. You have a tremendous running back in the SEC and uh, and Cody. And I think that it's going to be very important for Missouri to keep that offense on the field this week. That's the main key for them. Two, they can't turn the ball over. Both of their losses again this year, they've turned the ball over multiple times. I think they have five between the two losses. If they turn the ball over to this Tennessee team, they're going to find themselves with the third loss. I don't think it will happen this week. I think they're going to be a team that's ready to go. And then the third point, feed Schrader. Cody Schrader is a stud. Give him the ball, control the clock, keep their defense, which has been a failure at some parts of this year, off the field, keep yourself on the field, have these elongated drives, keep it low scoring. That's when Missouri will find success. On the opposite side, obviously you have a Tennessee team who's coming off the typical SEC week 11 bye. They played UConn last week. Is that correct? Is it UConn or am I thinking of a different team? Anyway, I think it's UConn. They've just pissed pounded them like 59 to three or something like that. Typical SEC hate that everybody gives. They deserve it Um, because they played a bad team last week. They still looked good. Keys to the game for Tennessee. They have to convert on fourth down. It's a team that when they've lost, when they did lose, they didn't convert on fourth down. They were 0 for 3 on fourth down. If they find themselves in those situations, they need to convert. And then they were 8 for 18 on third downs in their loss as well and then didn't get the fourth down. That's what it came down to. That's how they lost to Alabama, and I think that that will be important for them this week. If they get in those situations, they need to convert. 
Second point is they need to play clean. When this team is penalized a lot, they lose football games. When they're not, they win them handily. Uh, this team is, is very bad at committing penalties. In their two losses, their first one to Bama, they lost. They, they had eight penalties to Bama's one for 80 yards. So that can't happen. And then against Florida, they had 10 penalties to Florida's five. So if this team gets penalized a lot, they just can't find a win on the scoreboard. So you got to stay clean, especially on the offensive line, because that's where the majority of those penalties come from. And then get the ball to squirrel white on the outside. Missouri's secondary is sketchy, man. They're, they're hit or miss. They've been good. They've been awfully bad. Squirrel white needs to have a big week. And I think Tennessee can find success on the road. The line's in a weird spot. I actually like Missouri in this game, and I think they take this one in Columbia because they were competitive last week. JP, what do you think? Yeah, I think you make really good points. I think these teams are similar in the fact that they both, I think, present challenges to like Georgia that runs the East in this situation. And they're both kind of built not to necessarily just light it up, and you kind of look at Missouri and you're like, yeah, they kind of have the big playability. You'll get Tennessee in the big playability. But this isn't – these are two teams that have kind of gone back from um, what they had. They run the football well. They've taken care of the football well. They have good fronts on both sides. Um, in front seven on the defensive side, they're very, very compatible. I think the issue uh, with the line and why it is where it is is I think, I think the books are respecting Missouri a lot more for last week's loss to Georgia – than like the general public is, if that makes sense. So I think that's why the line is where it is. I think that's why it's fooling a lot of people. And it hasn't really moved, right? It went from a pick them to one. Like that's pretty normal, I'd say. This isn't flown a certain way. So that tells you there's somebody on both sides. I would love to see this. Um, if you're Tennessee, you want to stay as the second team or second best team in the East. If you're Missouri, sitting alone at number two in the SEC East after a tough couple of years, that's massive for this program. So I'm pumped. I do like Tennessee in this situation, though. Luther Burden's questionable for Missouri. That would really stifle that offense. I think it would really hurt them with just that playmaking ability. And the guy's an absolute monster. Game changer, right? So I'm going to go Tennessee here. I think Milton is smart enough, doesn't turn it over. Doesn't turn it over. Front four is way better on the Tennessee side. I'm also wondering, what do you get out of this Tennessee team with the biggest game on their schedule next week? Right. I, yeah, I, I, I wonder, I don't think you can be a look over spot and I don't think they'll allow it to be, but you got to keep it in the back of your mind that you have the number two team, quote unquote, number two team back to back mm -hmm. national champions next week. I think I, my message to them would be, we have to win our game. This ha we have to win no matter what happens tonight. If we don't win, if Ole Miss still beats Georgia, it doesn't matter because we lost. Right. So I think that's my message and you play before them. So there's no result. Um, so Reese to you on this one. Um, I got my pick actually coming later, but I think it's one of the uh, most slept on games of this week. Um, really interesting just because Missouri's an up and coming team that is kind of that was on was sure as hell wasn't on my radar to start the year. Um, yeah. But I mean, with that nine point loss to Georgia, and I mean, your loss earlier the year to LSU, who's been playing lights out, um, at, or I guess not last week, but LSU team's been playing pretty well. So I think Missouri is set in the right direction. So I think this game is going to be really fun this weekend. It'll be the last year that it's slept on because ne next year, this is going to be just on the outside of the bubble. Both these teams coming at 13 and 14 in the college football playoff poll next year. This is a huge game. 100%. Yeah, this probably, I mean, fully eliminates somebody for sure. And I might, I think it solidifies the other almost because they'll mm -hmm. move up from a close win. Um, Schaefer is on Missouri, by the way, just so we have that for the graphic. Um, Noted. You'll see that later on Thursday, but just to announce that so we know. So we have... Tennessee out of me, Parks on Missouri, Reese's picks coming later, whatever direction that goes. And then Parks, or not Parks, Schaefer on Missouri. So 2-1 mm -hmm. right now. We'll see where Reese goes with it. Let's jump to the Pac-12. Uh, how about a big win for the Washington Huskies last week? And how about an absolute dismantling of the Forks last week by Utah? I mean, 55 to Finally, or somebody like did what they needed to do to Arizona State. That's been a team that's going to say everybody knows is bad, but they are somehow competitive in every single Dude, game. They're gritty. Utah. That's a gritty bunch yeah, for are. the Sun Devils. Um, let's jump into this one. Utah at Washington, a nine and a half point favorite are the Huskies. Absolute shootout. And exactly what I think what we all thought was going to happen last week with USC, the better off. I'd say the better offense. Um, the better team won just by scoring a 
boatload of points. And I think without Caleb Williams, I think USC is beaten by 20 plus in that game. But Caleb Williams is that good. Um, and he's not going to get the love now that they have, you know, X amount of losses and out of the rankings. That's still a really good quarterback and one of the best in the country. Best news for Utah in this situation. You've been really good offensively uh, versus bad defenses. And you get a bad defense this week. So you have a chance to really move the football. They put up 55 last week. How about this stat right here versus bad defense or teams that I consider to be bad defenses? Three game Pac-12 schedule here. 41 average points per game versus teams like USC, Cal, Arizona State. Nine points per game against good defenses in Oregon State, UCLA, and Oregon. That is crazy. Um, and you get a bad one this week. So let's take advantage of that if we're Utah and let's run the football. Like, let's take care of the football. Let's make sure that we are t- controlling the time possession and not turning it over. Any turnover is basically going to end up in points on the other end. I know your defense is good, but I've seen Oregon rip it apart. Penix and this team can also rip you apart through the air. So let's take care of the football and control the clock. 192 yards per game, 4.4 yards per rush for the Utes. Washington defense is ranked 87th against the rush uh, and 64th in yards per game. It's not a great defense, and we saw that last week. I think USC almost ran for over 200, if not over 200, and threw the ball all over the field. Just can't give them extra possessions. I think that's that's one thing Utah doesn't do is really lose games themselves. The Whittingham bunch usually is very good. They're not penalized a ton. They're not going to turn it over a ton. They're very well um, coached in those aspects. So that's something to pay attention to. If you're Washington, let's come out strong and fire it. We cannot get into an absolute slot fest with Utah. If we didn't do a slot fest, we get into trouble. And you've had the situations a couple weeks ago with Arizona state and some other teams where it just got ugly. Like we can't do that against Utah because Utah thrives in those spots and will beat you. So let's come out fire and let Penix fling it out through the air. Pass the run. The rush defense for Utah is way, way, way good. Let's just get the ball to our playmakers on the outside, and then we can run the ball off of that. I think they've kind of learned how to do that on the offensive side. With DeBoer over there, I think that's kind of the scheme he's worked up for this team and knows what uh, his team's strengths are and really played to him. Utah's been good against uh, past numbers, but Oregon and USC found ways to beat them through the air. So just expect you or Washington to keep an identity and expect Utah to really – hone into what's made Utah, Utah, and just smash about football without turning it over and very fundamental. So it should be a really good game. I think this line came down from 10 and a half in the last couple of days because people respect that Utah is not going to beat themselves and they see the opportunity for the offense to really show up and keep this close. Um, I'm going to take Utah plus the points, j- j- literally for the reason that massive game for Washington last week, you come home, your defense is pretty beaten up. They've been running all over the field trying to catch Caleb Williams, and now they got to stop a good rush attack. Ooh, I mean, I liked it over 10 more, but I think 9.5. Yeah. I think the 7-point game is where this is, a hangover spot slash people forgot about Utah again, and I think they're feeling confident. So what do you guys think on this one? Um, I mean, I don't I don't hate the spot that Utah's in. I mean, obviously he's going to have the, the Oregon game in their head where they got shellacked, um, but I still think it's a spot where – Utah to Southern California, and they won on a field goal and against a Heisman-winning quarterback. So I wouldn't put it past this team. I wouldn't be shocked if Utah goes goes in and wins this game. I really wouldn't, even if it is in Husky Stadium. It's a Kyle Whittingham team. You wouldn't be shocked if they won. I wouldn't be shocked if Utah won this game. Really? Yeah, no. I I thought you were just. I mean, I said like, you know, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Also, also at the beginning of the year, I also picked. Washington to be like an eight and four team, which is not happening. But like, I wouldn't be shocked. It's also Kyle Whittingham. I mean, the guys won how many Pac-12 championships? Like, this is a game where he can get his guys going, and they and they have that defense. Like, they can make Penix uncomfortable. They can get guys into in spots where they don't want to be. And like you mentioned, they don't beat themselves as long as they don't turn over the ball and give Penix multiple opportunities. They can keep this game close. Like, when it's come down down to my pick, I'm going to take Utah plus the points. I think it's a lot for a defense that's that good. I know you're going into Hussey Stadium, like I said, but it's still Kyle Whittingham, and the guy knows how to coach in this conference. He knows how to get wins. So so you you said you're taking Utah, so it's not your dog's dog for later. Because you sound my dog's dog for That's later, all I'm no. saying. No. Okay. Because you sound no, confident my dog on the Utes. Are you betting okay. on I, I, I wouldn't. I, I'm, not, I'm not like, if I if I like out of, a, out of 10, I'd say like it's like a six and a half. 
You sound like a 11 out of 10. Yeah, I'm gonna say, and also six and a half is a weird number. I don't even know how you feel from that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll give mine. I think I don't either. I don't think it's a terrible spot. It wouldn't. I've seen bigger surprises, especially with how Washington's looked the last few weeks. I think even last week. Uh, they they just they have so many holes on defense that I think that, that Utah offense can find success. They have again they haven't against good teams as you've seen on defense, JP. As you just said, those stats are exactly what Utah is as a team. This Washington defense is not very good, man. I thought I had a real chance last week. I just took USC so I can make up some ATS spread standings so I can maybe put my name back on the board. But I really thought I had a chance at the end of that game. That Washington defense has holes in it. I think you're going to have to have excellent play from a young freshman quarterback if you're Utah, and it's almost too much to ask in Husky Stadium. I think Washington, even though they've gotten through these past few weeks that have been not very good, Husky Stadium is going to be ready to go again, especially after beating USC and kind of, I mean, legitimately making Caleb Williams cry, which I'll mention again later. But uh, I think they'll be ready to go. I don't think this is a good spot for Utah to win the football game. I think it's going to be competitive for a while, but then – Michael Penix is too much, and Washington will pull away. I, I like Washington in this spot. Washington out of Parks, I believe. Schaefer is also on Washington, so we got a two-two split in this situation on the graphic. It's better than last week. I think we had a lot of three and gonna, one, and then a couple of four O's. Wait, no, JP, I, you took Utah? I just, yeah, he did. You're yeah, the king the of Washington. You are a big Washington guy. That's a shock to me. Just the points. You don't think they win the I, football game? Well, I mean, I have them. No. Okay. No. Okay. That's I fair. just think it gets ugly at a point. Um, I have I'm I'm rightful saying that I picked Washington on this podcast to win the Pac-12. I also hold a Washington national championship ticket, which I'm hoping to get money out of. Uh, maybe not them winning the national title, but if they get to the playoff, I can cash yeah, out. Cash out. Yeah, you cash worth. out. Cash um, out ten bucks, baby. But I again, I I think it's spot. I think it's the team they're playing. I think it's the inability to play defense. I just it's weird for me, and I don't. I'm not betting on it, not a, not in a bet, but it's it's where I feel right now. So it's fair, dude. That you just Let's can't say that the defense has done enough. Oh no, 100. Yeah. Let's stay in the Pac-12. Let's go to USC, who Washington just beat last weekend at Oregon, a 14 point line for the Ducks, who have caught fire. Actually, 15 and a half now. I had 14 down. 15 and a half are the Ducks' the favorites. Red hot Ducks. USC's reeling. They just fired the defensive coordinator. They've lost multiple games. Kind of feels like they're almost out of the Pac-12 picture. Um, they need this one if they want to go to that title game. I don't know. I'm not sure. Parks, you break it down for us. Help us out and see maybe the Trojans have a chance in this situation or how good are the Ducks? I realized after I took this game when you sent in, like, who's going to cover this game? I got to stop covering Oregon because it's a team I've been high on all year. I have them in my college football playoff. I think they are the best team in the Pac-12, top to bottom. I think that if they match up with Washington again, I think Schaefer agrees with me on this. I could be wrong on that. I think Oregon wins the game by two scores. You just got to look at USC on paper offensively. They jump off. That would be beneficial, and you would be a great team, possibly undefeated, if your defense wasn't just incapable of getting stops. I mean, their defense, and, and that's the problem with firing coordinators halfway through the year, and I think Iowa made the right decision in keeping Ferentz around. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it it's not going to make a drastic change just getting them out in the middle of the year because you're still going to have the same scheme. They're not going to win, learn a same scheme, a new scheme over this new week. And so you're going to see a very similar USC defense and a high-powered offense in Oregon. Bo Nix, I expect to have an absolute day against this defense. And then you got to look on the outside. Troy Franklin is a first-round pick, top 10 pick most likely. So there's way too much on the offensive side of the ball for Oregon not to be successful in this game. I think they easily get to 50 or 45 or 50, just like every other team that's played USC this year. And I just think it's crazy when you look at this USC team on paper, a team scoring 45 points a week. That offense averaged 45 points a week, and they have three losses, and they're on their way to four. I think Oregon rolls in this spot. We started recording this episode 40 minutes ago, and that line's already jumped to 16 and a half live. So it's just going up and up and up, and that's for a good reason because this Oregon team is legit. They're going to come back and win the They're going to take the fourth spot in the college football playoff, and I think they roll in this spot. JP? I, I don't think... You missed any points because I see this as 
kind of a situation I mean, we can, where like we can break down stats if you want. It's just not going to tell you what you need. I mean, what you need to know is USC's defense is too bad to even compete with this Oregon offense. Yeah. I mean, look, look at how USC's played in these games and they've all been close, right? For the most part, um, the D the defense is the common denominator. They haven't played an elite defense in this situation, right? The only one they played that was a good defense was Notre Dame and they did not look good. Like, Notre Dame made it hell for Caleb Williams. Now you got to go to Eugene at night and you got to beat a red hot Oregon team. God, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'll, I'll take the ducks on this one. Um, We'll get to Schaefer's pick later for this, actually. Reese, for you on this. Yeah, USC gave up, what, 36 to Utah without Cam Rising? So, yeah, I don't think that defense is going to be able to do a lot of anything. I, I, The thing that makes me think they can cover, though, is that if Oregon is going to go out and get a lead right away, it's still Caleb Williams we're talking about, and he has weapons, and the guy is remarkable. So if Oregon gets up to a big lead, he just can Lincoln just gonna let him go, and the guy can the guy can sling it. Like they'll find ways to score points. It's just can they keep up with it? If it gets to seventeen like that, I think I would jump on USC. But if we're taking it right now, if it's at if it's at fifteen and a half, um, I, I, I like Oregon in that spot. I just don't know if Caleb Williams is gonna lose by three scores to this team. Um, in in my mind, so if you, yeah, I think, I think another I'd thing like is, him up to twenty. <laughs> if you don't like, I like that too. If you, if you don't look at Caleb Williams off the field, you'd be like, okay, he bounces back. But from his general reaction last week, and that's another point, is I think ESPN needs to lay off the cameras of the, the 20-year-olds crying in their mom's arms. But I don't know how this team's going to respond to the adversity of just being pretty much eliminated because they know – I don't I think they know they have no chance this week and they're going to be completely out of the contention. But how is this team going to look? I think you're going to get a messy Caleb Williams this week against an elite defense like you saw in, in Notre Dame, JP. That was a great point. And he's going to turn the ball over a few times, and it's going to be over pretty quickly. I just think he feels like he can't do any more to help this That's team. That's fair, too. And it's just that not enough. I just so think bad. he's drained, man. I The poor kid is a grinder. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. And even that's not good enough to get this team into the playoff or even win the Pac-12. Like – you made a good point. Like, what are we really going to get out of them? Are they really going to snap back and just come back to level-headed, ready to go, understand the moment's big, and we got to go win a big game? I no. can't see it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So um, I, I'm happy we're kind of on the same page as this. And I, as you're saying, the betting market thinks the exact same thing if it keeps moving the way it does. We're using 15 and a half for the graphic just because that's what we had it at when we had the ticker rolling on here for preview. But – I don't love it. I just don't love it for USC. They've got bigger fish to fry when it gets to the offseason, and they got to move to the Big Ten. Let's go to perhaps the biggest game wait, of the wait, weekend. Is, oh, is Shafe on Oregon too? Uh, we got to wait. We got to wait for that. Okay. It, it's on the. It's on the. We got it. We got it for him. Yeah, we got. Okay, it. I was gonna don't say this is four and zero. We're gonna get this is this is where. But okay. Yeah, I now know that this is not the biggest game of the weekend. I about I led with that. But it is, in a way, it's the second biggest game of the weekend. You could argue it's just as big as the Penn State-Michigan game going on in the Big Ten. How about Ole Miss traveling to Georgia, who is an 11-point favorite after a win against Missouri at home? They now get Ole Miss at home in this situation. Both teams um, ranked within the top 10, I believe, in the newest college football playoff rankings. Ole Miss at 9, Georgia at 2. This is going to be a fun football game. And I think Lane Kiffin has a few things up his sleeves, whether that's the first couple of drives scripted or just something weird. I think you they a fake punt, fake field goal, things like that. Just something's got to happen because Ole Miss needs a game like this. Lane Kiffin needs a big win like this on his resume and where better to do it than in Sanford Stadium. Not saying it's going to be easy. Both teams coming off massive home wins. As I was saying, Ole Miss got a three-point win against Texas A&M last week. Ole Miss has been good against the rush or has been good on the rush. I think we know that. That's kind of their identity, right? They want to run the football. They're not the explosive through the air team that people kind of think they are. We talk about that all the time, but it's still a narrative that's out there. This team has the ability to run the football with three weapons in Dart, Judkins, and Bentley. They're good. I think Judkins is a top three back in the country. Dart's been really good. He hasn't turned the ball over much this year. We need to be sure that we can run the football on a really good Georgia front, and we've seen Georgia's front um, – kind of exposed in some spots. I'm not going to say exposes. That's the wrong word. Um, 
kind of put some dents in it at times. Auburn's ability to run the football on them um, with over 200 yards rushing, and they had mobile quarterbacks with Peyton Thorne, right? You saw Schrader go over for 150 last week for Missouri. I can tell you confidently that Schrader's not as good as Quinshawn Judkins is, and Missouri and Cook is not a mobile quarterback that has the ability to make plays with his feet like Jackson Dart does. So I think that is something that uh, really plays into Ole Miss's hands. I think that is a really good front seven for Georgia. Do not get me wrong, but I do think if there's an offense out there that can beat them on the ground a little bit more, it is this Ole Miss team, right? What about the Ole Miss on the defensive side, right? Like Georgia's been good, um, top 40 in just about every offensive coordinator or category. When you look at Carson Beck, he hasn't had a slip-up game yet. I'm not saying he's going to because I don't think he's going to in this situation. I do think that uh, his ability to just get the ball out to McConkey and earlier in the year when he had Bowers has been really good. He's been a good decision maker. He's been a great game manager. Let's make sure that we keep him upright because Ole Miss is really good at getting to the quarterback. Great pass rush. Um, George is good on the offensive line. Doesn't give up a ton of sacks. So something's got to give here. A good pass rush. Uh, I usually lean that if it's on or at home on the road, it is going to be a little tougher um, against an offensive line. That's not going to have to deal with a super loud atmosphere, obviously. Um, but this game is interesting for a lot of reasons. I think the biggest one here is Lane Kiffin's a gambler, man. The guy will go for it on fourth down. He'll go for it in his own territory. He's going to roll the dice a couple times. They really need some of those to hit in some big ways this weekend. And I kind of think they do. Um, George is, I mean, the cream of the crop right now. We all know that. I think they're the best team in the country at this moment. Can Ole Miss beat them? I'm not sure, but I will take the 10 and a half or an 11 that we're getting. I think Ole Miss covers, but I, it's just hard for me to say that Ole Miss's secondary and linebacking core is just going to be all of a sudden to that next level where they can stop George's passing attack with Beck, right? They're, McConkie is just an incredible outlet option. I mean, the guy goes for over 90 yards a game sitting in the slot, right? Perfect Georgia receiver uh, for those situations, especially with Bowers out. So we're going to run the football well with Judkins, Dart, uh, and Bentley, but we're just not going to do enough to win it. I think they take probably like a 34-25-ish, somewhere in there, like a 10-point to 8-point game. Uh, enough of the rolls of the dice, keep it close late. Yeah, something, just somewhere in there. I, it's hard for me to say Georgia's going to go below 30, um, but I could see Ole Miss getting to 24, 27, somewhere in that spot. So uh, it's going to be a good game. I don't know what you guys think about it, how you saw it. I just think enough rolls of the dice are going to work out in Ole Miss's favor to keep it close. Yeah, I, I don't hate where your head's at, JP. Um, I would be shocked if Ole Miss covers. I would be shocked if they win this game. I'd be really shocked if they win it, but I think they could cover it, no problem. But like when it comes down to me for this pick, it's Kirby Smart versus Lane Kiffin. Um, I think Kirby Smart just knows how to get the guys going, um, especially at home. And you know we have they have that game next week. But I don't think Kirby Smart's a guy who allows his team to think about a look ahead game. Like he's gonna have his guys ready to go coming into your place. Give me the Bulldogs all day in this one. I, I I think it'd be interesting to see Ole Miss potentially stir some stuff up here, but I just don't see them doing it, especially on the road. That's what I love about you, Reese. You can be in a dungeon for a week and you just come out and you're just razor sharp because that's what this comes down to, right? I mean, this is Elaine Kiffin is a coach, the type of coach that he's going to come through in that big game against Tulane on the road in week three. That's that's when Ole Miss is going to get that win. Now, he hasn't had, in my mind, a staple win late in the year to push Ole Miss to that next level. I don't think this is the time that he gets it. I think Georgia has too many weapons. I think their defense is too good. And I I don't know if there's a particular guy on the outside for Old Miss that's going to come through for them enough to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. I can't see it off the top of my head. So I really can't pull for Old Miss at, the, at all in this game. I mean, the line's at, at 10 and a half for good reason, man. This is a team that's ninth in the country and they're a, almost an 11-point underdog, maybe an 11-point underdog live. That's because Vegas knows what they're talking about, and this Ole Miss team has just not come through in these spots before, and I think you see it again. I think Georgia handily wins this one. I, I like them to cover as well, so I'll take Georgia. I think Schaefer's on Georgia as well, so that leaves me lonely right here. This would be a big one for me to grab oh, because sure. Reese went 4-1 and one last that, week bud? on the board. Yeah, I mean, I How need, bad I do you need it, JP? You don't need it. Get one. 
JPI needs yeah, like, out of the like, You need 5-0, and 5-0. Don't say I'm out. I'm winning like every other game that we run. But don't say I, I am. I might be out of the ATS, yeah. Dude, I need to start <laughs> betting the board because everything else I can't win. But for, on the board, I'm winning. Like, I just got to stop. Like, because usually the game's like, I'm nervous. I don't know what's going to happen. So I just come here and take a pick or whatever. I got to actually start like throwing money at it. That's smart. Throw money at the picks that you yeah, make that you win. Good. It's a pretty good strategy. Yeah. I, yep. Great strategy. Great strategy. Yep. You should write a book. Bold play, play game Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> the businessman. Hey, let's. All right. <laughs> let's, just, let's just jump to under the radar case of the week, wrapping up our week 11 previews. Let's talk about games that we didn't get a chance to break down, but we really want to acknowledge. Um, across the country we'll start off with Schaefer's because he isn't here he's got Oklahoma State traveling down to Orlando to play UCF Oklahoma Great State pick. wins the last bedlam now you got to go down to Orlando and play a UCF team that can run the football really well they're aggressive get the hangover spot question mark like that's kind of the spot a lot of people are thinking lines only at two and a half so Vegas kind of thinks so so that's the one Schaefer is going to outline Reese how about you go first with your under the radar Sorry, I cut out. I know hey. you're going to me. I didn't know if you said my name or part. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll cut that. There was a de- there was a, there was a delay there. I didn't hear names. Okay, you're yeah, up. Yeah, no, there was I, there was a delay. I didn't hear I didn't hear names. Anyway, uh, I chose the University of Florida going to the Death Valley um, LSU Tigers this weekend. Um, LSU coming off a disappointing loss last week, obviously to Alabama, but it's a spot where LSU. I mean, the spread is what it is. It's 14 points, so obviously Vegas thinks something is a is a foot here. Um, but I think Jay Daniels and company will be fine against his team. How's Graham Mertz going to travel going to Death Valley? Is he? I don't know. Oh, I, yeah, I, Reese I, was I, gone last whack. week. Like, he literally knows nothing. Yeah, I have no idea, Jay man. Daniels has a concussion. He's in protocol. I don't yeah, know. Oh, so, well, then, I don't know yeah. if he'll play. He's a game time, so you're not completely wrong, Reese. I'm just curious to whether or not 50, if he 50, plays. Flip a coin. Okay, what, what do you think if he doesn't play? I think Florida has a better chance if he doesn't play. I mean, they could win the game. It, I mean, if he, if he doesn't play, I – Whoever they got in there, I don't know if that guy is good enough to keep up with Jaden Daniels. I mean, I think that guy is has been contender for a reason. So I think the Tigers will be there all day. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'll take mine next. Uh, I, I like. I think this is a weird spot right here. I think this team is coming off a big win in Ames, but I have Texas Tech visiting the ranked college football playoff ranked Kansas Jayhawks that weren't supposed to make a ball game. Nice call, Schaefer, you dumbass. Uh, but <laughs> Jayhawks, red hot, coming off a win in Ames. Like I said, 28-21, they defeated Iowa State. It's a team that's rolling, but this is a Texas Tech team that we were all high on in the preseason. Obviously, they've lost a big position in their quarterback, but it's a team with enough talent across the board that we thought that they were going to be at the top of this conference. So it's a sneaky little spot for Texas Tech to maybe sneak in have a competitive game with Kansas and maybe maybe steal it because you you haven't seen this Kansas team when they're successful finish a season high. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Texas Tech competes when they go into, what is it, David Booth over there? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. Yep. It's my underrated game of the week. Mine is the Tobacco Road rivalry. How about Duke mm. and North Carolina? We haven't talked about North Carolina in a little bit. Um, that's because you lost two really bad games, right? Um, Duke kind of in the same spot after Riley Leonard, um, got hurt and he won't play this week either. They've kind of lost a stride on offense. Obviously when you lose a guy at that caliber at quarterback, you're going to take a step back, but it doesn't mean Duke can't win this game against North Carolina. I mean, this is North Carolina team that lost to Virginia. Like Duke has a really good defense. Maybe they'll put some problems in front of Drake may, um, and mm-hmm. the line, is telling me that nobody likes Duke, but it's just interesting to see at the beginning of the year, I really thought this game was going to be a top 20 matchup this late in the year. And now neither team is ranked. It's kind of like, um, so I want to give it the love it deserves still. So that's my under the radar game of the week. Let's jump to G five game of the week. This was a tough one to pick. Uh, there was not a ton of like gems out there for the G5. Usually there's a couple you can pick from. Um, I think we've landed in a conference where we have talked a lot about them. How about Wyoming at UNLV? UNLV with only one loss in the conference. Wyoming with two. Both these teams really need this one to stay in that top three or so with a chance to play maybe Air Force, it seems, is at the top of the conference undefeated right now. They need this one. Both teams really need this one. UNLV would love to be on an absolute program turnaround and get to a, a Mountain West title game. Parks? And that's a quick shout-out we got to give. Is we haven't talked 
at all about UNLV, but what a turnaround for that program. And this is a, this is a program that two, three years ago was a laughingstock, a, a winless team. And, and now they're competitive in that conference. So they're really turning things around. And, and I'm glad because that, that would be a fun team to be good in the G5. So that's awesome that they're back. I think I need to outline that this is Friday night at 9.45 Central Time, baby. That's beautiful. Beer in the hand, 11th beer of the night in hand, and little UNLV on the television. I like that. Oh, yeah. Beautiful stuff. Let's jump to our betting segments. I think it is time to kind of break out the dogs. Dog, what a weekend. What a weekend for the dogs. Good job, fellas. Tell us about last weekend. (laughs) The, the dogs were absolutely barking last week. Undefeated week for the boys picking dogs. Uh, do we have three of four outright winners or was it four or four? Three, oh, and one with three outright winners. Yeah, that's come on now. That's that's an undefeated weekend. That counts. Dominated. If you didn't lose money, that's that's a win. So uh, that's an undefeated weekend. Three outright, outright winners. Uh, Jake and I standing in first place at 12 points apiece. We had outright winners. We love that. We're going to keep it rolling this week. Do you want me to get my pick first? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to give you my pick first. This could bite me in the ass because it's a team that I love. I cheer for under the entire, well, I don't want to say my entire life, but it's pretty much since college and I fell in love with their brand. But give me UCF at home in the bounce house plus the two and a half against Oklahoma State. You want to talk about a hangover spot? This is it because this UCF team has been competitive with teams like Oklahoma. They got another dog fight last week with a bad team, but I think this is where they can pull through. That place is going to be ready to go. And uh, JP, you should agree with me on this because you've been high on UCF pretty much the whole year. And this is a good spot for them to get a staple win their first year in the Big 12. Yeah, they need it. They need it because they've blown a game on the Big 12. They went to Oklahoma and had a chance to win it. They really need this one. And Vegas kind of thinks they got a real shot here. So I do not dislike that at all. So I think let's give uh, Schaefer's here, actually, because he's tied for first with you, right? You want to yep. unveil that, Parks? Yeah, I love this pick out of Schaefer. Team guy, I feel bad that we shit-talked him so much at the beginning because he did take Nebraska plus the two-and-a-half at home against Maryland. That preview is dropping. Uh, actually, it dropped yesterday if you're listening to this. So go check out my preview of Nebraska. Going for the six win, going for a bowl eligibility in a good spot off a Maryland team who's lost four straight, who's in a bad spot themselves. I like this pick a lot because I like the Cornhuskers. I love you, Jake. Good job. Good, Jay. Great I'll pick, Jake. We won't year. talk about Iowa State losing you again. Uh, we might. <laughs> we might. <laughs> he did hammer us enough to where we could. He did, yeah. 100%. I, we had an actual dog's dog ruling for the first time this year, and I don't know if everybody's happy with it, but I feel like I should have got something out of the damn thing. I had A&M plus three. They lose by three. Whoa, so we, whoa, gave whoa, we didn't give point. you. Yeah, okay, we did give you a half point. I was gonna say you yeah. didn't get ruined. We gave you something. You deserve no, that but half I, point. That was I don't think everybody. I think Schaefer and Reese. I don't know if they were super happy with getting the half point. I mean, there. I was not locked put in me ahead what of Reese. was going on in the moment, but hey, I, had, I, I was something. doing a bunch of other shit. But yeah, deserve some. So this week, I am sitting in third, a half point above Reese after Reese won an outright one last week. I'll take Minnesota plus one against Purdue. Um, I. A weird one for Minnesota last week to lose to Illinois, but I think Illinois kind of brought different problems uh, to Minnesota than Purdue will. So I'll take Minnesota. I hate it. I hate PJ Fleck. I don't. I'm not a fan of Minnesota in any shape or form. I didn't love a lot of the dogs this week, to be completely honest with you, on the board. But I'll take Minnesota. You could take every underdog in the Big Ten West and have a legitimate shot. That it did. I mean, as a part of the division, and JP, hopefully you can back me up on this, but it is so bad. Like it is so NFL bad. style bad where everybody beats everybody. Nobody's good enough to even like say you're going to dominate any game that you play. So that's a good pick. I mean, it's legitimately a 50 50 shot on what teams show up on the field. So good pick. Reese, you're up. Uh, yeah, saving the best for last. Obviously, even though I'm in last place, but we talked about this game before. Uh, but give me Missouri plus the one and a half Tennessee at home. Um, if Great Luther is playing, that's obviously big because that guy's a Blitnikoff uh, candidate for the end of the year. Um, but let's let's see Missouri. Can they continue to be on the rise? Because if they are, this is a game that would really kind of cement that. So this is a good pick, Reese. A little pep, pep in that voice. I took Missouri too. Yep. I like that. I like that. Yep. Pick. A little bit of pep in there. A little bit of pep. All right, he's learning the pep. Let's go immediately into the best bet, Reese. 
Uh, when it's hot, it's hot. Give me the Iowa uh, under in a football game. Iowa Rutgers under 20. Or 29, my bad. 29. Let's say 20. Give me I, it again. 20 might be worth it still. It I could be 20. Give me, yeah. Give me, <laughs> give me, give me under 20, dude. That I didn't watch a second of that game last week, but I mean, I saw the final score was that. And I'm like, yeah, give me the under again next week. There's no way. I'm telling you right now, Iowa Nebraska is going to set the record. I know it was 29 and a half, and that was the record last week. Iowa Nebraska should be legitimately 25. Like it's that's going to be the record game for it. Yeah, they put it right above 24 because 24 yep. is key number in that. At 25, I could see. Um, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> There's no reason to. It's so bad. Uh, but we'll talk yep. Hawks in my it's, previews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, uh, we I'll suck. talk Hawks in my previews. <laughs> Parks, you're up. Okay, uh, best bet of the week. Now, I am losing in the ATS, but not a lot of my best bets have been on the ATS board, so don't follow that at all. Give me the uh, ATS pick of the week. is KU, Texas Tech, over 61.5. I think that there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I think if Texas Tech is competitive at all, it's going way over. And you know that Kansas offense has some firepower. I think Jason Bean has been one of the most underrated and undermentioned players in the country that's made big differences for ranked teams. So I think Kansas is going to come out firing. Texas Tech will have their answers. Even with the backup quarterback, they still have outside weapons. So I like that over at 61 and a half. Give me it. Let's jump to Schaefer's pick here. He took Oregon minus 14. This he is a he great bought play. The half point. Yeah, he said he bought the half point from 14 and a half to 14. He said I think he said he really wanted that half point. He, he thinks it's going to be super important. I don't. I think they win by 20 plus. Um, but Schaefer's on Oregon versus USC. That's why we didn't give it to you earlier. So that's going to be on the graphic, but it won't say best bet on that graphic. I can tell Andy you Andy right mentioned now. that Bucky Irving's going for 300 yards or more. I Not Bucky himself, but they're going to rush for 300 yards or more in general yeah. is his point, and I think he's dead right. I think Bucky Irving has a big week this week. For me, I also kept out one of my picks on the board in one of our breakdowns for best bet reasons. How about best bet for me? Give me Michigan plus or minus four and a half. Uh, no, this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, now I understand. And honestly, I have Penn State in the playoff. Remember that from the preseason. But I just kind of think that we are get, we aren't getting um, an inflated number in this case. It's got bet down from seven where it opened. I think they can win by a touchdown. I think they make life hard on Aller until I see him really make plays um, in a really big game, right? I really do think that Penn State is going to struggle offensively. Um, now, maybe they can run the football better than they did against Ohio State, but that doesn't mean too much if you only ran for like 50, 60 yards, whatever that number was. Um and I think McCarthy's the better quarterback. He's experienced. They have the better running backs, which is not which is saying something because Singleton is super, super good at Penn State. Better front. Let's just, super I'm just going to take the better team in this situation. Uh, I think they really want to just win a football game and get all this scandal stuff out of the way. So I'm taking Michigan minus four and a half as my best bet. Um, but Reese really disagreed with that. I don't think he disagreed with it as much as I, are you just eliminating your own playoff pick? Cause this is a crazy pick that eliminates Penn State. I'm here to win money. They lose. <laughs> Okay. I'm okay. So you're eliminating and, uh, your own playoff. My playoff game doesn't win that, money. If Penn State loses this game by five, they're yeah, I definitely am. all the way out. You need this. You need this to keep the playoff yeah, hopes 100%. alive. You're on, we're on the same side and different sides right now because we need we need Penn State baby to complete the three way tie. It'd be cool. No I would love to see it. I would love to see a three way tie, but I'm gonna doubt it. No, why? Yeah, so alive this late in the year, we gotta we gotta keep hope. We gotta keep hope. We need we need Happy Valley to rock, and we need Penn State just so we can get that right. I mean, we weren't the only people that predicted that analyst wise, and I'm not calling ourselves analysts. Hands up, uh, but we weren't the only people I'll that predicted an that. Analyst. And we need this one. All right, we're analysts. We're analysts. Also, with this game, like when you look at it from afar, right? I thought Penn State was going to get Ohio State. That isn't what happened. But how much do people really buy into Penn State now? Like, are we, is this number where it is because people still believe in them? Or did they really sell stock after the Ohio State game? Like, no, we were right. I think you're I think you're mixing it up because we were all dead set that the home teams were going to win these matchups. And that was what was going to create the three-way tie. Because you got to remember, Ohio State has to go to Michigan. There's that loss. Yep. So we really need Michigan to lose this one. 
We really do, because that would be awesome. A three-way tie at the top, I still think Ohio State gets the bid, if I'm not mistaken. But that, that tie tiebreaker, I'd have to reread. I cannot remember exactly what it is. Um, I thought it was strength of schedule. Not strength of schedule, but like record against record of opponents. Record of not Shared. record of like the other teams in your conference that you played. Yeah, correct. I've, yeah, I but think that would right. be fair. You can't control cross divisions. Like that's the like big Penn, Penn, yeah, like Penn State. That's fine. Like, that's fine because it like penalizes Penn State Michigan. Because Penn State plays Northwestern or some shit. It's like, that's like, fine because it, it penalizes that, like, Michigan for having a cakewalk. Weird. Weird. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. I think if if Tennessee beats Missouri and Ole Miss mm. beats Georgia, that would set up in Knoxville next week a chance to go to the big or the SEC, the SEC title SEC between East Tennessee title, yeah. and Georgia. Yeah. So there are some capabilities of some making bigger matchups down the road, but I'm taking Michigan. And I think, I think I'm not saying Ohio, they're going to beat Ohio state late in the year. I'd like to see what that looks like, but I'll take them here. So we're, we're late in the year. We're getting real naughty. No. Yeah. Um, Honor, honorable mention, uh, best bet, uh, USC, Oregon over 73 and a half. That's a really high number. And I think it's going to get it way over that. I think it'd be a whole lot of fun to watch that game. You couldn't have put that, uh, over under for USC Washington higher last week. No, it, yeah. it still went over. Enough. It was it was like yeah. seventy eight. Still went over. <laughs> I think there was fifty some points, say almost sixty points at halftime. Mm. Beautiful Pac twelve football, baby. It was all the <laughs> way back. Offense. We love you. Yeah. Hey, Parks, take us away on this. Uh, play it. Everybody's looking for love. Ain't that the reason you're at this club? Oh, you ain't gon' find a date with him. No, I got a better solution for you, girl.